Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Brian Sauer, an ardent film lover and unwavering champion of physical media. The articulate, supportive, and always entertaining Brian Sauer has run the well-respected film blog Rupert Pupkin Speaks since 2009, a site dedicated to shining a spotlight on forgotten and or overlooked movies from decades past that I've been honored to contribute to a handful of times over the years. In addition to his blog, the hardworking Brian Sauer co-hosts the acclaimed Pure Cinema podcast for the New Beverly Cinema, where he's discussed film with prestigious guests like filmmakers Quentin Tarantino and Ryan Johnson, and another terrific show called Just the Discs, which focuses on Blu-ray releases. Based in LA, when he isn't writing for Rupert Pupkin Speaks or hosting his podcasts, you can find Brian talking about movies on Instagram or Twitter at Bob Freelander, at Just The Discs Pod, or at Pure Cinema Pod, all of which I've linked to in this post. Please join me in welcoming the talented and friendly Brian Sauer to Watch With Jen. Hello, Brian. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. My pleasure. Great. How are you doing and how are you adapting to pandemic life? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there. Um, it's been it's been interesting, to say the least. I mean, I guess the upside is I'm home with my family, you know, and we're watching a lot of movies. So that's one way to cope. That's a good thing, for sure. Well, I want to say congratulations on Rupert Pupkin Speaks, as well as your podcast. What gave you the idea, or how did you start each venture? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I started Rupert Pupkin Speaks um, about 10 years ago or so, and it became a thing where I just I decided to do a blog. I discovered what a blog was, <laughs> and I started using it to like make movie lists. And that sort of coincided with me joining Twitter, and then it kind of evolved into me asking other people I, you know, met on Twitter mm-hmm. to do lists for me, people that I thought seemed to have cool taste in movies, like yourself. Oh, and thank you. Uh, thank you for your list, by the way, over the years. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just became this little community, uh, you know, of doing these lists that were like underrated genre lists or you know underrated year lists that's become the most popular thing uh Mm -hmm. that i do or or the most oft thing that i do and then the last and most favorite thing for me is the film discoveries list which is just asking people to sort of keep track throughout a given year which movies they've seen i usually use the arbitrary marker of like 20 years or older that they're mm-hmm. seeing for the first time and that they really enjoyed. So I've called those film discoveries and those are just my favorite things in the world to see what people have been watching older movies they've been watching and liked. I think it started because I was like, I want more ideas for which old movies to watch. Yeah. And then it just became a thing where I'm like, well, this is just awesome. And I've, my watch list is so big now that it's, <laughs> it's, it's never ending, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it just sort of became that kind of thing, you know, this community of contributors. And I, I have to say and apologize to readers. I've been a little lax 
since the pandemic started with the website. Uh, I hope to get it back up and going somewhat soon, but there's been a lot of podcast activity, podcast reporting, yeah. podcast research, podcast editing. As you know, it takes a lot of time. Yes, it does. Well, that's totally understandable, too, because right now attention spans are dwindling. So it's hard and we're trying to do more. I think with podcasting, it helps you have more interaction, too. Yeah. And I think right now that's kind of important. Absolutely. What made you start or was it a co-idea of both of your podcasts? Because I know those are so well-respected and so <laughs> excellent. Well, so very kind. How, did, how did you get those up and running? Well, with Pure Cinema, um, it came from sort of my own fandom for a show that my podcast partner Elric Kane was doing at the time. It was called Killer POV. It's a horror uh -huh. podcast. And I'd heard him on that show, and I felt like he was sort of a kindred cinephile spirit. Like every so often, the, even though it was a horror show, the conversations would veer into other kinds of cinema. And he would mention like cult movies that I was a fan of. And so I started getting a sense that he and I had similar tastes and then I asked him to do some discoveries lists for Rupert Pumpkin Speaks, and that was cool. And then uh, I've, I've been working on a documentary about this guy, Danny Perry, mm -hmm. for about eight years. It's coming along slowly. Um, but he's a cult movie author. Like, he wrote a bunch of books, Cult Movies 1 through 3, The Guide for the Film Fanatic, which is my favorite book. And Elric was a fan, and I was interviewing people for the documentary, so I interviewed him. And during that interview, we just had such a good time that afterwards he kind of came to me with the idea of a podcast, doing a podcast together. And initially we were going to call it something like Double Bills or something. And <laughs> it's just going to be double features. But then it sort of evolved into Pure Cinema, which is more, again, movie lists. It kind of evolved, I guess, sort of from the lists he was making with me for Rupert Pumpkin Speaks. But we just like movie lists, you know. So we came up with this concept of Five Movies Because, which is our sort of thing that we do as opposed to a top five. It's just like five movies we would like to talk about in a given topic. And it doesn't have to be the, the best. It doesn't have to be your favorites. But it was just a fun idea to not have to feel like this is the best of this genre. No, this is just something I like. So it just evolved from there. And then, you know, we started, you know, putting the show out and getting involved with people like The Pink Smoke and then eventually The New Beverly. And then mm -hmm. that led to some very exciting guests. And uh, so it's just evolved over the past three and a half years. And it's become just a passion project for me. I, I taught myself to edit while making the show. And, you know, so it's really evolved for me. Yeah, that was the hurdle I was so worried about when I started a podcast. Like, how on earth do I edit? And I think I over-edited at the beginning, like I was deleting every single space, that kind of thing. I thought, oh no, there's too much space. <laughs> but So you kind of learn as you go, for sure. And then Just the Discs, your, uh, the one that you do that celebrates Blu-rays, was that a few years after Pure Cinema? or Actually, I, I started at about the same time. It was a okay. thing where... I was, it sort of, again, spun out of Rupert Pupkin Speaks. I was reviewing Blu-rays. I had gotten to the point where I w had started to get occasional review copies from certain labels, and I was doing reviews on the blog. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of, I don't want to say I was burning out on writing reviews, but I was more excited about podcasting because yeah. that's what I was getting into. And so I, I decided maybe I should do my own podcast on Blu-rays. I had done... Uh, a co-host ship with my friend Ryan Gallagher on this show called Off the Shelf, which is 
uh, part of his Criterion cast um, network. And we did that for like two years where we just come on every week and we talk about Blu-ray news and things we were excited about. And we would literally go through, this is what's coming out this week. And it was a lot of fun. And I liked that show a lot. I remember but, that. That was so cool. Oh, do yeah. you? oh that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, it was. we definitely have some fans that still listen to just the discs, you know, when I decided to sort of do my own thing, which is different. It's just like me going through a stack of discs. That's literally mm-hmm. all it is. And it started as like, stupidly enough, I was thinking of like pump up the volume and just sort of <laughs> the idea of like, you know, how Christian Slater just be sitting there with the microphone talking and not knowing if anybody was listening or whatever. That's kind of where it came from. I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about Blu-rays like Christian Slater uh, and, you know, see if people respond to it. And the first episodes are really clunky because I can't edit at all. And um, and then eventually, you know, like I said, I was teaching myself to edit with Pure Cinema. I started to edit with just the discs. And now it's evolved more into, you know, uh, I, I try and get guests on, but I still do solo shows. But I'll bring in clips from the movies and clips from the special features to kind of give people a sense of why these discs are good. And so that's sort of where that show has come from and gone to. And it's just like my little pet project. I mean, I've just been a collector since I was in high school collecting VHS tapes and now uh, up to Blu-rays and 4K. And it's just something I'm obsessed with. So it was easy to champ. Oh, I was going to say, yes, I love that so much. You're such a good champion for physical media. (laughs) I was getting excited. I was like, that's why I had to have Brian on because I love that about you. You're Aww. always sharing what's coming out and the special features, and it's so exciting. I have like enormous shopping carts all over the all over the web, and I think it's probably from following you and getting excited. Like, ooh, a new <laughs> sliding doors is out. I have sliding doors, but I need this one. That kind of. Oh, thing. you do. You got to get that yeah. Shout Factory Collector's Edition sliding doors. I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not being facetious. I like that movie. Oh, me too. I think it's great. Well, I know your daughter guests on your pod sometimes. (laughs) So what are some of her favorite movies right now? And which movies would you recommend showing to children to get them interested in film? Especially like you were saying, like 20 years or older, that kind of movies. Because I think it's so easy to put on the latest Disney title or something. And that's great, but it's kind of cool to show them a sense of history. Oh, yeah. No, I love doing that. Probably too much for her, but she, she, yeah, I don't know. She just sort of, she likes YouTube and things like that. And I think she started to understand how podcasts were kind of like YouTube in a way. And I, I, and so we started watching movies. I think the first episode we did of Just the Disc with her was um, on the Pink Panther collection, which I would actually say is a great entry point for kids because she really liked, we watched three or four of those movies. I think the other kid, the other things kids respond to is familiarity. So once you show them, if you have a movie that has a series of movies, I think it's fun for them because they, you know, they may not know who Peter Sellers is, but when they get into that third and fourth movie, they're like, okay, I know this guy now. He's funny. He does silly stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, a modern day actor for them. I think that's really the the breakthrough point for a lot of people that they need to get to is just, you watch, I don't know, you know this because you watch tons of old movies, but I think people... <laughs> They want to see familiar actors, and unless you've watched a lot of old movies, everybody's going to be foreign to you. And once you do watch a bunch, then you know them better than you know the present-day stars, and you get excited to see them. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Pink Panther was great. Um, I think another episode we did was Whale Rider she really liked. 
Um, oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. That that went really well, surprisingly well. Um, I'm trying to think what else stuff. I mean, she loves Yellow Submarine. That's actually one of her favorite movies. Oh, cool. Yeah, she even asked to watch it again last night. We've seen it a bazillion times, but the Blu-ray is really pretty, so I actually don't mind rewatching Yellow Submarine all the time. <laughs> um, the Last Unicorn. I'm just trying to think. There's some animated stuff, um, but oh, she actually really liked um, um, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Was one of oh, the first cool. black and white. Yeah, that she dug. I, I think comedy is a good yeah. equalizer. You know, if if something's funny, it's funny throughout time, and I think you know kids can respond to funny stuff always. So that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, work them into black and white gently by putting on the funny stuff for sure. It works. Yes. Well, what have you been watching lately? Anything we should be sure to track down that um, you'd like to recommend? I mean, I. I it's funny, we have, um, for our Pure Cinema Patreon, we do a thing called the Hangout episode, and so most of the stuff that I end up with the, I mean, when I'm not researching podcast movies, which is basically all the time, and watching stuff with my family, I occasionally squeeze in stuff, but I mostly talk about those in the Hangouts, but I do have, like, I, I, this is kind of stupid, but I, because we do the five films on pure cinema i have like five movies that i can just recommend that are old favorites if that's cool oh absolutely um okay so i'll start with um uh noises off uh that is love a, that movie yeah. <laughs> i figured i figured you were a fan of this one yeah it's from 1992 it's peter bogdanovich it's um kind of a screwball comedy about a traveling theater group that's trying to do this play but the play is funny but the real funny is the behind the scenes kind of going on between the actors and the and the frustration of the director played by michael kane um but it's just such a blast and it's so rapid fire it's like i don't know it's he's so into screwball comedies obviously what's up doc is a perfect tribute but i think noises off is the one that people haven't seen as much and the cast is incredible like i said michael kane carol burnett Julie Haggerty, Mary Lou Henner, Marklin Baker, Christopher Reeve, John Ritter, um, Denholm Elliott. You know, it's just this amazing cast, and they're really all is. so funny. Yeah, yes. I'm glad you're a fan of this one, too. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. And you start getting into the lines. Um, it's it's just so good. Every entrance that Carol Burnett has just kills. <laughs> What's the, what does she come on with? I can't remember if it's the Something sardines. Something about the sardines. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. She's supposed to like bring sardines on and she leaves them sometimes and sometimes she takes them and oh it's so funny. But yeah, by the time it gets to the end, they've done multiple like uh shows of this play and things have gotten really complicated in terms of the personal interactions between the actors and it just gets so ridiculous that you're just laughing your head off by the end. I just adore it. Yes, you really are. It is so funny. And I love that Julie Haggerty is in it because Ugh. I think most people know her just from like Airplane. So yeah. it was fun to see her in something else that's just hilarious. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. I mean, if you haven't seen Lost in America, I mean, she's wonderful. Oh, in God, that. yes. You're right. I love that one, too. Yeah, she's amazing. I love her. What was it? Was she just in? Was it Marriage Story? Is she the mom? of uh yes yeah she's great in that mom of uh scarlet right yes yes yeah i love her in that that was so neat that she was in that i love to see i mean it's a sad thing that actors female actors uh, in particular have such a short 
span of time that they're allowed to act. It really has always made me sad. But I do love that we have a lot of directors nowadays that pay attention to great actors, female actors from you know previous years, and they bring them back, and they always just deliver yet again. And I'm just like, why is Julie Haggerty not in more movies? Because she's amazing. I know. She really is. So beyond Noises Off, do you have any okay. others that you've been I've, going for? I've got four more here. Let me let me I'll right. make them quick. Uh, oh, my you're second fine. One, <laughs> my second one is called The Silent Partner. It's from 1978. Gould, right? Yes. Elliot yes. Gould, Christopher Plummer, Susanna York. Um, it's written by Curtis Hansen, um, and it's directed by a guy named Daryl Duke, who okay. did – I'm going to talk about – my next pick is another one of his movies that I love, but oh, Silent cool. Partner is one that we champion on Pure Cinema all the time. The New Beverly used to run uh, a special Christmas double bill of Die Hard and The Silent Partner, and mm-hmm. I do recommend that double bill. It's really great. We actually saw it in person at the New Beverly two years ago now, I think, and it is a blast. You wouldn't think that Die Hard and this little thriller about a bank teller – connect because they're both christmas movies but (laughs) they work great um the basic plot of this one is that elliot gould is he's a bank teller and he notices this weird guy played by christopher Plummer, that is dressed up as a santa like a mall santa and at one point he comes in and sort of gives away i'm not going to give get too far into it but gives away that he might be planning to rob the bank and elliot gould anticipates that and he tucks away a bunch of cash at his register, till, whatever. And when the guy comes to rob the bank, he only gives him part of the money. And he keeps part of it for himself, thinking that the guy won't know the difference and the bank won't know who took it and he can get mm-hmm. away with a little money himself. But the m- amount of money that was stolen is reported in the paper. And so Christopher Flammer realizes he's been ripped off and he suddenly becomes obsessed with tracking down Elliot Gould's character and getting that money back. And it becomes this like cat and mouse game and it's so good and it gets so dark and yeah, I don't know, it really does. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a particular death in the movie. I'm not going to go into, but it's like it's Elric has described it as being out of an Argento movie. Basically. It was horrifying. I remember that I'm like watching, you think it's funny and casual and then, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just comes out of nowhere <laughs> and it ups the stakes and, Plummer is so menacing, so it's just a really great... If you're used to seeing him in The Sound of Music, this ain't that Christopher Plummer. (laughs) Not at all, no. So that one's a blast. Um, And then Daryl Duke did another movie, actually before that. um, There's a great movie that I love uh, called Payday. Um, I don't know that one. No. So this one's from 1973, and it is the story of... It's like 24 they say I think the poster is like 24 hours in the life of a madman is it's a little <laughs> exaggerated but basically it's about Rip Torn plays a country western singer uh played playing sort of little honky tonks and clubs like he's kind of like he he almost broke through but he didn't quite so it's it's he's he's not he's a little grumpy about it I think ultimately but he's a real character and his name is Maury Dan, and so you just follow him around for like 24 hours, basically. You see him playing a club. He seduces some girl after. He talks to his manager about, you know, what they're going to do next, you know, and it's just – it's very cynical in its way, but it 
it gives you this real sense of this guy and his narcissism and yeah, just, I don't know. It's, it's just a really incredible performance by Rip Torn, who I'm a huge fan of. I'm sure you dig him too. Yeah. Rip Torn is awesome. I think I first discovered him on the Larry Sanders show and then watching all the old movies. It was always exciting when Rip Torn would show up. He's great. I mean, I was just thinking really is defending your life. Like he's amazing. Yes. (laughs) um but yeah this is a different kind of rip torn it's very dramatic and it goes pretty dark and you know it i don't know i there's just something about it it's got a really crackerjack ending that i'm definitely not going to spoil sadly it's not really streaming there's a dvd that you can get but it's one that i think is a little underseen because it's harder to track down but i would you know check with your local libraries check with netflix dvd i would think one of those places would have it. It's well worth checking out. It's a really, really cool movie. It um, is on my list now. I'm excited. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, okay, so two more. I'll, I'll make these quick. So Going in Style from 1979, not the remake. Um, okay. This is um, directed by Martin Brest, who did Midnight Run. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Great yes. movie. So this is, before those, he does this really wonderful comedy drama um and it's about three senior citizens played by george burns art carney and lee strasberg and they're like living in new york together and they're kind of sitting in the park kind of not it's not like boredom but it's just like things are stagnant for us and at one point george burns's character comes up with the idea we should rob a bank (laughs) (laughs) And so it becomes this thing of like them trying to plan the heist, trying to get guns, you know, and and stuff. And and then they actually do rob the bank and it kind of goes from there. And it's a bittersweet comedy in a way, but it's just such a great again. You've got three incredible actors. The three of them play off each other so well, especially George Burns and Art Carney. I just love them and they're perfect in this. Um, but yeah, this is truly like one of my favorite movies of all time. And another one that has, like I said, there's a melancholy to it in terms of where mm-hmm. it goes, but it's just a beautiful movie. And, uh, I, I like that Zach Braff remade it. I tried to mm-hmm. watch the remake, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't working for me, unfortunately. But this original from 79 is amazing. So good. Going in style. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I watched the remake, and I thought it was okay, it wasn't the best, but while I was watching, I realized I had seen the original, but it must have been back in the 90s, because it came back to me, but yeah, I want to watch it again, because it's probably been like 25, almost 30 years since I've seen it. So I'm adding that, and I'm adding (laughs) Payday to my list. I have like 500 strong on my DVD Netflix queue, it's unreal. Awesome. Yeah. You're pushing so the bounds. Awesome. I am. I know. We're I remember when I'm in business. <laughs> I, don't they have like a limit? Like you can only have a certain. So you're maxed out right now. Yes, I nice. am. It's funny when you save titles, like future ones that are going to be released on DVD. Not always new releases, just things that are coming. And if you save a bunch of them in advance, then you can go beyond 500 when they finally show up. That's but, awesome. But yeah. Of course, I would know the max, right? Yeah. I was going to say tricks of the trade. <laughs> tricks of the trade. I, I love know. it. Yes. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Um, my last of the five is one called Chili Scenes of Winter, also from 1979. 
I just got that Twilight Time Blu-ray, and I have yet to watch it, so I'm excited. Go for okay. it. Okay, well, it's it's a tricky one because I think it's amazing, and again, as with all these movies, it has a great performance at the center, and that's uh, from John Hurd, who... I, I, it, we talk about it on the show. We've talked about this movie on Pure Cinema a bunch. It's kind of one of, one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. And John Hurd, I think people remember as the dad from Home Alone or the guy in Big that works at the toy company that's kind of like <laughs> baffled at Tom Hanks coming up with ideas. So like people remember him for that, but they haven't seen Chili Scenes and they haven't seen Cutter's Way, which are two dynamite movies and dynamite performances from John Hurd. Yeah. And Chili Scenes is um it's from Joan Micklin Silver, who's one of my favorite directors. She's amazing. And it's it's based on a book. It's about this guy who is like a civil servant and he he works in Utah and he becomes infatuated with this woman played by Mary Beth Hurt who works in the, I think, like, records slash library section of the office where he works. And so he meets her, and they have, like, sort of a meet, awkward meet-cute. And <laughs> he tries to ask her out, but she's married. But she kind of is interested in him in any way because she's having problems with her um, husband. So they have kind of a fling, and you get to see that sort of in flashback slash present day. And it's, it's sort of dealing with like where he's at now like uh, you know can, will they get back together won't they and he's really struggling with it and he's kind of crazy and his mom's kind of crazy his mom's played by Gloria Graham oh and, wow yeah she's really good um and he lives at home with his sister like his mom gave him this house and his sister his mom his sister and he live together and his buddy played by Peter Riegert who's also awesome uh, I love him yeah <laughs> he's so good <laughs> He lives there too. It's it's just sort of one of those meandering, you know, comic drama kind of slice of life kind of things. But it's I don't know. There's some moments in it when they're dealing with the most difficult parts of the relationship, the friction, mm-hmm. that feel really real. At least to my experience, in some ways, just those those moments where you get upset with somebody that you're with and you have this disagreement and you don't know if it's going to be something you can work through or not. And you have sort of an uncertainty about that. And it really uh, sort of gets caught up. You get caught up in it. You get obsessed with it and you can't get over it. And so it's really just this incredible portrait of that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he becomes obsessed with her and like is building uh, a popsicle stick model of her a-frame house that she lives in i mean it just becomes oh my god very strange <laughs> but i and i can't see it. i'm trying to encapsulate it but i just can't i it's really hard to encapsulate but it, it's just a really powerful movie and 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 mary beth hurt is great in it too and it i don't know i i think you'll dig it i let, definitely let me know what you think when you see it i hope more people pick up that twilight time blu-ray while it's still in print because mm-hmm. it's another one that was rare for a long time so that's yeah. chilly scenes. I can't wait. John Hurd was so good in Deceived, too. Oh, yeah. Too. Wow. Yeah. As the villain. I That's could not right. believe that. I know. I'm so, I'm so due for a rewatch on that one. I haven't seen that movie in years. I just, well, I got the uh, Blu-ray, I want to say it was Kino, yeah. I believe. 
Yes, and it was beautiful. I wrote about it, or wrote about the film, actually, for Jed Eyre's website, Hardboiled nice. Wonderland. And nice. yeah, it was so much fun to revisit, because that movie freaked me out when I was younger. So it was cool to go back and see it. It's such a nice nod to Hitchcock with some of those scenes. And it's cool to wow. see Goldie Hawn doing something beyond comedy. So yeah, it was really good. Okay, well, I gotta watch that. Yes, I was going to ask you, because you have such a great knowledge of physical media, do you have a list that you're keeping of films that you wish would be released in di- on disc? I know there's so much out of print right now, it's it's sad. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch for me. Um, I think one of them has been quasi-announced, but I still haven't seen the official, and that's After Hours. Um, oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely top 10 movie of all time for me. I know people mm-hmm. think it's weird when I say it's my favorite Scorsese film, but it is personally, <laughs> it's the one I go back to the most, the one I enjoy the most. Um, it's fantastic. And I thought criterion had leaked at one point that they were going to do a Blu-ray, but I haven't seen that announced. So I hope it's just in the works and they're just taking a bunch of time working on the extra features for it. And so it's going to be amazing when it comes out, but that me one too. I need, I need that on Blu-ray. I know. Um, yeah, and John Hurd's great in that too, by the way. Just a small part, but he's really good. Yes, the bartender. That's right. I um, know. That's one of the only movies that I've watched uh, twice in a row. Like, oh. I saw it when I was a teenager at night, and then the next morning I called a friend. I'm like, you have to come over right now. we got to watch this again. Nice. And I don't think she enjoyed it as much. She was kind of like, what is this? <laughs> like, what's wrong with Jen? But I was just oh. rolling. I think it is so funny. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's just, you see all these terrible things that happen to this word processor. I mean, he's <laughs> it's such a funny thing, too, because he's kind of a kind of a jerky guy, kind of yeah. like dubious in some ways. So you, you're there's part of you at the beginning that's like, ah, he's kind of getting what he deserves. But then it becomes so ludicrous that you're like, okay, this is a little bit much. And he just can't help but laugh, you know? God, it's funny. Yeah, it's definitely a movie I've shown to a lot of people, you know, including my wife. It was one of the first movies I showed her. And it's kind of a litmus test movie for me. I I don't don't know if you use it that way, but it's definitely one. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Because it's just like like you say, like there's certain people, it's just not going to be their thing. And I'm not saying... I'm not going to be friends with those people, but the people that I'm closest to and that I align most movie wise with love after hours, you know, it's just one of those. So I would love to have a blue. Yeah. Oh, Blu-ray of that would be so good. I was going to say, I think it's the best movie to watch when you've had like a bad date or just a bad day. (laughs) I had one of the worst dates once and I came like my car got broken into it was a whole thing. Yes. And uh, I came home and that was the movie I wanted to watch. And it was that scene where uh, Griffith Dunn is like, you know, I'll probably get blamed for that. And <laughs> it's so just I, I had to rewind that scene like five <laughs> times. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I think it's marvelous. There's a great story about um, oh, what did he do? I'm trying to think. There's a scene where he runs into um, I think it's when he runs into the. Um, punk club or when he's on the way to the punk club there's a story and you've probably heard this but for anybody that hasn't like supposedly he to get into the i'm probably misremembering this but it's something like this basically to get into the mode of the panic that he wanted he basically went into a bar and 
went up to the bar and said, drinks on me, everybody. And then the bartender, everybody was like, yeah, all right. And the bartender started getting the drinks and then he ran out of the bar. Uh, <laughs> and apparently like a production assistant paid for the drinks later, but he, you know, and everybody freaked out. I think the bartender like ran after him uh, or something. And so he used that energy to then be running to the next scene. And so I think there's some oh, scenes wow. of him running. And I think part of his panic is based on the idea that he just did that, which I think is a fun idea for an actor to do. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh my gosh. I love that story. I had not heard that one. Yeah, there's some fun little bits in the DVD extras. I think it came up on the Scorsese commentary there or something. Or maybe oh, okay. there's a doc- documentary. I can't remember. Um, all right, I've got one other one, though, that I love and I would love to see on Blu-ray. Another one of my favorite movies. It's called Over the Edge, also from 1979. Boy, I'm really heavy on 1979 for some reason. Hey, that's okay. Go for it. Do you like Over the Edge? What, who's in that? The title's familiar, but I'm like, I can't place it. Yeah, no, it is a little generic, ultimately. Um, it is, uh, you know, Matt Dillon in one of his earliest roles. It's basically about a group of kids who are in junior high. They live in a town called New Granada. And the idea, I think it was based on a newspaper article about some kids that freaked out and wrecked a school. Um, but it's about these kids. They live in this small town, and the town is sort of unaware of how little there is for the kids to do in the town. They have a rec center and that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the kids sort of start to get into drugs and they get into really sort of messing with each other. And it just gets, it gets a little crazy and it ends with like this kind of climactic scene at the junior high school that I don't want to give away, but it's really powerful stuff. It was, I think it was one of Kurt Cobain's favorite movies, from what I understand. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I was always interested in that kind of stuff. But it's really great, Matt Dillon. Um, there's some other actors like Vincent Spano and Michael Eric Kramer plays the lead. But it, it's just a great, like, kids out of control kind of movie. I, mm-hmm. I think I compared it to, I, a little bit to, like, Kids, the movie Kids. Uh, oh, okay. But like the late 70s version of that sort of would be a one cell. Um, gotcha. But I like I like it better than kids. I think it's amazing. Um, so, it is not ringing any bells, so I'm adding that one as well. Yeah, add it to the list. It's good. You it's bet. Good, <laughs> but yeah, that one I would just adore having a Blu-ray. I think Warner Archive might have it if they would ever put it out. So I'm hoping they do. Um, Please, but, Warner. Yeah. but yeah those two are after hours and over the edge would be you know holy grail blu-rays for me for sure very cool i wanted to ask last question i won't keep you all day but let's say you could interview anybody you wanted for pure cinema podcast i know you've had just the most (laughs) amazing guests so who would you want who's your dream list do you have one um i mean we definitely have some people that we would Obviously, you know, Scorsese, like who wouldn't want to talk to Scorsese? I mean, that's just (laughs) kind of a gimme. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, we just released a big episode on his films. We love him. I can't wait to listen. I love his work. It was so much fun to do that one. It's like one of our most epic episodes. It's almost five hours long. Oh, my gosh. It's pretty pretty heavy stuff. We almost released it as two episodes. But in doing that, we were just reminded, like, boy, it would be great to talk to him. He's just so awesome. So he's definitely one. Um, 
Oh, man, I'm trying to think. We definitely have some more, but we've actually gotten some people that we really want, like Edgar Wright and Pat Oswalt. I know. Um, obviously, yeah. Quentin has been amazing. We've had him on three times now. So that's just surreal as beyond I can even explain, you know? Yeah, it's so cool. And you do such a tremendous job. I really enjoyed those episodes. So, and Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, I think those are two of the big ones, though. Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson, I think, would be amazing. I think so, too. Well, I want to thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time to do this and for... Yeah, for guesting on here. I've loved interacting with you on Twitter. And so this was just a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Super my pleasure. Not a problem. I've been digging your show. I like all the guests you've had on. I love that you're getting into podcasting. I hope it's not becoming too overwhelming to keep up. You know, I know that's the part for me that was a little tricky was always keeping up. No, I love it so far. It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats on the show. Thank you. To, here's to your continued success. And yours with your <laughs> podcast and Rupert Pupkin Speaks. Thank you so much. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends. <laughs>